Hello and welcome back to Balance Me, a podcast committed to the exploration and discussion of Afro-diasporic art, fashion, culture, and history. I'm your host, Tinashe, and I'm honored to share this soundscape with you today. Before we begin, I want to honor your presence in this virtual space and ask you to approach the episode to come with an open mind and heart. I also want to mention before we start that this guest and I had some connection issues, so my apologies for the spotty audio quality in parts of this episode. We'll be stepping up our game here soon, but bear with us for the time being. Today's guest is Boris Akim, an Ivorian artist living and working in Italy. His work touches on pan-Africanism, representations of African women and beauty outside of Eurocentric standards. He holds a BA in Fine Arts and an MA in Graphic Art. And Akim was recently selected for the Dakar Biennale in May of this year and has exhibited at several shows around the world. I hope you enjoy this episode. First of all, thank you so, so, so much for coming on the podcast. It is an honor to have you here. Um, Good morning. Yes, good morning. Um, so the first question I have for you is just if you could give us a little bit of an introduction as to who you are uh, and what you do. All right. My name is Boris Akin Arka uh, for Friends Bobo. I was born in Ivory Coast, uh, Côte d'Ivoire, West Africa, and Illustrate. I'm starting to, I will be starting teaching soon in April. I'm launching my course and I'm very excited for that. But uh, I do a bunch of things in the, in the art uh, section and uh I'm a big lover of everything that is about like uh, building your own path. And uh, I've, uh, I've left my country when I was four because of my uh, dad's job in the UN. So we've been living in Mozambique, uh, Kenya, Italy, and uh, Panama, a bunch of like different stuff. Allowed me to like learn uh, different languages. I'm fluent in uh, four different languages. Uh, French is my mother tongue, of course, uh, Italian, Spanish, and English. And uh, yeah, I've been uh, finishing my uh, BA in uh, an American university here in Rome. Then I enrolled into a master's uh, in an Italian uh, university. And so far, it's been uh, thrilling. I finished my degree. I don't want to be studying anymore. We're always a student, but in the sense of like getting a degree, I'm done with the studying and I'm trying to pursue my career as much as I can. So yeah. Amazing. That's so cool. Um, and so is Rome basically like the last stop for you right now? Yeah, for now, yes. But in the future, it's going to be the mainland for sure. Okay, amazing. Uh, what do you think you want to do when you go back home? Home probably I'll be teaching. I will be teaching and working on my own stuff. I don't see my um, that kind of aspect of my life or my career changing from now until like a few years uh, ahead because this is exactly what I want to do. I want to be able to, my ultimate goal is to be able to um, improve the artistic program in uh, in Africa. And uh, ultimately, yes, this is uh, trying to reduce the gap of that thing, of uh, try, having to leave your own continent to, to do something, something somewhere else. So you, are you primarily a visual artist? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, and why, why did you start uh, to draw? Well, it's uh, <laughs> funny. <laughs> uh, when I was, uh, yeah, when I was uh, little, I was, uh, I used to like, you know, those decorations and stuff uh, around the house. I used to touch them and climb on things and stuff. Um, my grandma, uh, grandma used to be with us, like, uh, usually in the, uh, the weekends. And I remember one time I 
wasn't stopping on going around touching things she got mad she took me and she sat me like uh, she made me sit on the table like those small those small tables and she brought like papers and uh, crayons and like uh, pens and stuff so she took one she did something and then she let me like keep on doing it I stayed there for more than an hour. And as a kid, you know how difficult it is to keep focus for kids and stuff. But I really had enjoyed it. My grandma was former a, a teacher. Uh, in my family, they, they, they're really into medicine, international relations and stuff like that. But she was a teacher, former teacher by this time. But she stayed with me and I kept on my drawing as a kid for fun. It was always fun. I remember in primary school, I used to disrupt the class because, you know, all the kids had their, like, pencil cases with the Disney characters or whatever, and I would just redraw them on paper and give it to them. I I wanted to be a vet at first, actually. And uh, in the French system, since I was going to French school, uh, around uh, two years or three years before you finish uh, high school, you have to choose a path. Scientific one, scientific, because this is where it was going to lead me to uh, veterinary like studies and stuff. But I sucked at math. I was good in physics and science and stuff, but math, the numbers, like, mm. So I did an- another year to try to enroll, but I didn't get to it. So I went into economics. And while being in there, I was like, you know what? This looks like it's going to be hard. Like, why don't I try art? that I didn't know that you had art school, uh, unis and stuff. I didn't know how it worked and stuff. So to uh, try to find my uni or like where to study, it was so hard because in my uh, school, uh, most of the time, especially for how the students are grouped in the different like sections, they have more connections with schools that do economics, that do um, sciences and stuff, you know. So to find uh, references for where to go if I wanted to do art, I didn't have that. So I felt really alone when we had seminars where people come in and talk about what they do, you know, those things like uh, orientations thing. And I didn't have a booth for what I wanted to do. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do, you know. So it was really uh, difficult, but I ended up like finding a good uni and a great professor that followed me during my uh, beginning of my uh, BA and stuff. And uh, it led me to what I do today, like exhibiting and uh, selling my works and stuff. It's It's been a very um, lucky uh, path after high school because a lot of things fell, fell into places in different ways. And it was, uh, I was, I was lucky in that sense. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. It's so cool that you were able to find it. I'm so glad that you found um, that you found your place, that you found your meeting, and that you've been able to to make what you have made of it. What What do you think is is the meaning and the and the sort of uh, expression of your work for you? How does that come through? At first, it was a way for me to just have fun, enjoy, and then to tell my stories because I used to like watch a lot of like animes or cartoons and stuff. And there's a lot of like elements that I really liked, and I tried to recreate in my own story. So I was kind of like doing spin-off of this or that, and inventing my own stories and stuff. Uh, and it was a, a way for me to like spend time. Then uh, when in my teens, mostly 
when the, my insomniac started because also there's a big i'm a big like insomniac i have a i have like managing it i had a huge uh, problem with it i was born with it when but it's a long story but basically i started being therapy uh spending uh, that time awake not thinking negatively because when you're awake for this so many hours and repeatedly after a few days you start like having really bad thoughts and drawing was a way for me like to escape from that like i was focused on what i was doing i was spending a lot of hours and by the time i was a little bit tired and i could sleep i would just go and later on it became a thing a tool that i used to express myself so trying to express my emotions not only what i liked but uh, also the fears um the stuff that i wanted to explain and i always used until today i always used um uh how do you say a vessel to communicate never myself really but through something through someone always because i don't i never felt like until today that i'm the main character of what i'm trying to explain it's always like conveyed into something and today it's more about uh talking about things that i'm interested in uh, i talk about uh you know african pan-africanism and uh black culture and this is something also that shifted in last few years because uh, I used to draw a lot of different things. And uh, even my sister uh, commented uh, once like a few years ago, like, oh, you always draw white people. And she wasn't wrong because every time we were in a predominantly white uh, country, this is what I was going to do, like I was doing. And for example, when we live in like uh, Kenya, like where South Africa, my work shifted also, like was more looking like what I had uh, around. So in the last like years, like three years, I decided to go into this direction of like Pan-Africanism work and trying to portray black culture of people that look like me and stuff. And it felt so much better. And uh, it was a long, how do you say, journey, but right now I'm starting to see something and an identity in what I do and people also start recognizing it. I love that. I think that, I think it's so, first of all, one thing that's really cool is the way that environment impacts what we create. Um, you know, I, for me personally, it's like when I'm away from Zim, I'm making work about Zim. I'm writing about Zim. I'm thinking about Zim. Like it's the, at the forefront of my mind as soon as I leave. When I go back though, it's exactly the same. <laughs> I'm not thinking about the U.S. I'm not like, you know, wanting to create work about the U.S. I'm still in a space where I'm like, I want to be making work about Zim. But a lot of the time, especially in high school, the things that I was taught to be creating were not necessarily pertinent to a, a reality that that made sense to me for Zimbabwe, you know? Uh, it was a very whitewashed reality. And I think um, it's important to make sure that you're aware of that um, so that when you're making work, you're like, oh, I gotta make this for now and I gotta get my grade, but this is not, you know, what the creation process should be about for me, you know, if that's, you know, what you choose. Yeah, yeah, so I love that you've been able to find and you've been able to create what actually feels good to you. And I think it's so important because at the same time as we have, we need and we have and we, but we also need the representation of our own people in art, our own people in, in mainstream art, Biennales, which is incredible, by the way, congratulations. Um, I knew about the, that I was selected like uh, not even like 10 days ago. So wow, it's very really? Oh, so it's yeah. fresh news. Okay. And, uh, the event is going to be like next month, I think, and uh, in Dakar. And I, well, I'm I'm not going to go because of course, like restrictions and stuff like that. And I, 
uh, but like uh, I don't know it's uh, I was like okay <laughs> but I'm I'm the kind of person that until the thing happens I don't get too excited you know so I'm like yeah, yeah cool but yeah <laughs> you were you I mean you were cautiously optimistic about it that makes, that makes yeah. sense <laughs> yeah because you never know but I think you know this is an incredible feat um and I and I hope that you are proud of yourself because I certainly am so yeah thank you right now how do you how do you feel connected to Cote d'Ivoire if at all well uh yes uh this is something that uh started growing every time we were going there because it's not like I left my country and never went back we you have like home leave. I don't know if you you know what it is about. No, like, no. Uh, you explain for me and both people who are listening who don't know. Well, in the UN, they 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 work in a certain way where you when your the family is affected somewhere, uh, they get to be able to go back to their country paid by the 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 organization uh, during the summer. So like uh, one month, two months uh, vacation that you get to go back to your country. Uh, when you leave somewhere, uh, you know, outside. So we used to have that, and every uh, yeah, two years I would go to uh, back to my country for a month or two. And as we were growing up, I started feeling like every time I was back home, uh, the, for the moment I needed to come back to whatever Italy or whatever other country we were. Um, I the reason why Italy is because the home, uh, the headquarters of the of the World Food Program is here, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why I, we used to go come back uh, here a lot. But uh, every time we had to go back, I had this thing where I felt like there's no reason for me to leave. Like I feel at home here, you know. Like I don't want to go. And uh, recently, before deciding to do this path thing, like I told you, to try to reconnect to my roots, I. I had the chance to, after three years, to go back to Ivory Coast, and I started uh, looking for, uh, you know, museums uh, or um, places and 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 uh, institution that will make me understand a little bit more about uh, art in back home. So I needed to understand like how my work would have shifted if I grew up here. What are the things that our core to the artistic um, uh, environment of my home country. And these are the things that even made me more excited about this path that I was going because I was discovering something different. Like before, if we can say that uh, when I was doing what could be African art was an adaptation of what I felt it was. And now it feels more growing into who I am and what I do with it because I'm learning more about it and I'm implementing slowly elements into my own work. So today I feel strongly connected because I started like uh, getting to know other artists as well. And uh, uh, I get to, you know, connect with so many uh, every, every, uh, every year and it makes it uh, so cool to start projects like right now we are trying to develop this group for like nfts and stuff uh but back home because uh, it's not as wired as here and in the us you know so something that makes me feel nice to be included in something like that 
because uh, being contacted, you know, from someone back home, it's it's always nice. And uh, I feel like as I'm growing, I'm getting closer to, you know, to what I left or to my country. So the connection is uh, is there. And uh, even if I don't, I, I cannot, um, uh, how you say, uh, neglect or uh, forget that I do have an Italian identity because I mostly grown also in Italy. I, if I have to say it, I'm Ivorian more than Italian, but I do have both uh, cultures uh, inside uh, myself. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is the essence of the, you know, this is a definition pretty much of the diasporic identity that you have. Um, yeah. it's, it's a really, I think I found it a really difficult realm to sort of navigate because, you know, you, when you're in between like that, you have, you know, this interesting duality of self um, that changes and shifts no matter where you go, because, you know, it's like, which one is actually home? And the thing is, is mm-hmm. that you kind of get to choose. You don't really, but you kind of get to choose. Yeah. Um, which is both, you know, I, I find it both a blessing and a curse because I'm like, look, I can associate myself with a place with a homeland that is not necessarily mine, but can also associate myself with a place in a homeland that is, you know, in terms of literal blood, in terms of heritage, in terms of ancestry is mine. But I don't know that it um, has fully, I guess I would say that, you know, within the confines of the African identity, you know, and and that it varies widely uh, country to country, but I think for one who has not always been there, it may appear to be a kind of, you may appear to be a kind of traitor if you come back and attempt to create or attempt to Uh, in a sense, like I have always been here because you haven't, uh, at least I haven't, you know, I think going back home is a really, really, it's one of the, it's one of the tough things too, because you, you return to a place that is your home, but not your home. Uh, it is, it is both familiar and foreign to you in so many ways. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Have you found that at all? Well, uh, what I, when, when he strikes more is when um is at first when i get there like for example my french is not uh, like my accent comes back my ivorian accent uh, french accent comes back after like two weeks but when i get there you i don't sound like my cousins you know i don't like the the ones that are like that grew up there i do not i do have a more like french french close to french uh you know accent and almost sometimes there's a little bit of that Italian kind of like a um, sound in it, but still um, I feel it only in like certain moments where uh, when I, I speak, for example, or I stay there and I see that I don't, I don't have the same vibes sometimes about yeah. like things lasts only for like a few weeks. And then like, you know, I, I get used to it, but uh, I, I felt it more when I was younger, but as I'm growing and I, I started to like uh, understand more who I am, like I'm okay with the fact that the life that I've got is not a life that I choose, but I was really lucky in having the experience that I have, but it doesn't make me any less Ivorian, you know? So when I'm there or whatever kind of like moments I get to feel uh, like I don't belong, it's more like uh, discovering for me, like, listen, uh, I, I didn't grow up here. I would have loved to know what this was. This other thing is, but since I don't know, teach me. You know, so it's never like 
uh, right now is not anymore like a feeling of like, I feel like an imposter there, you know, like, like I don't belong. It's more like I accept who I am and I just want to make sure I can reconnect the best way possible to, to, you know, to, to my own lens. So, uh, yeah. That's so important. And you, you've taught me a really good lesson here um, because the, the most important thing to, to be sure of is the self. Um, and I think, you know, one of the biggest parts of the acceptance of diasporic identity is making sure that you know that you are no less uh, than anyone else just because you have had a different experience and just because, you know, mm -hmm. differently. That's, it's, it's in, in fact, you would not be who you are if you didn't, and you would not be able to contribute what you do if you did not have that upbringing, if you did not have the life that you have. And so mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think, you know, we enter with gratitude and with an openness to understand an openness to to sort of be and exist in a way that is uh, honoring both yourself and the place where you're from. Um, and I feel like that, you know, I think that's the most important. Well, the, the, the only thing that makes me a little bit sad uh, about all of this is uh, only the fact that, for example, I don't speak the, the tongue of my uh, tribe of, from my mom or my dad, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and for example, when my grand grandmother, like I remember my grandmother said this thing, like she's like very old, but you know, like sometimes she would say those things and like, it just like it stands out. And she says, uh, um, I don't remember what she, we were talking about, but she said out of the blue, like you guys speak the language of the colonials. Yes. And I was like, oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i felt bad. like every everyone else would have said it i would be like yeah sure but when she said it i felt like oh my god am i betraying you or something you know but yeah. it's hard for me or i remember every time we would go by for example my sisters are more um smart in the sense of like whenever they have to like uh, learn something they're like book smart and stuff i'm more like street smart smart if you want to say it like for me to like get to learn something, I need to be fully immersed. I cannot just pick up a book and like read it or like um, practice. I need to be there and practice it, you know? Yeah. So uh, every time we would be there, uh, especially like my, my sister, like she would uh, focus a lot on trying to, to learn new words all the time and stuff. Like right now she's back there and she, she's really, really happy. And uh, it's been like now, like maybe two, three years, but she gets to like uh, learn a lot more and a lot faster. And I feel like it's hard for me to keep on going without having this kind of like uh, baggage with me in future that I could give maybe to, I don't know, my son or whatever. Like the fact that I, I know my tribe language, but I, I, I'm here right now with four language, you know? So mm -hmm. it's not like I've lost something, but at the same time, I feel like, I feel bad for not having it, you know? I don't believe I can learn it right now because I'm not there. If I live there and I had the chance to be always in contact with the people, I definitely think that I would have learned even more, but like right now it's not possible for me to like do that, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the same for me. Until I'm actually there for a significant period of time, I don't know, you know, in Zimbabwe that is, I don't know that I also don't think I would want to learn Shona from the outside. Mm. Um, yeah. The amount that I speak now is honestly pitiful. And, you know, any of my friends and family will tell you like, oh, she's trying, you know, which is true. I am trying. <laughs> but at the same time, it's something that's, 
lost. And, and the biggest thing for me about it too, is that um, language is, forms a huge part of identity. It's, you know, the way that you yeah. express yourself through different languages is, 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 is truly formative. Um, and so, you know, I, I regret and lament and mourn the loss of the relationships that I don't have with, with members of my family because I can't speak Shona as well as I would like to. I don't know them yeah. in their mother tongue. I only know them in the colonial one. In my, in, which, is, which is, I don't consider, I would not, I don't think I would be comfortable saying that English is my mother tongue. It's my first language, but it's not. Yeah. My and, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um, reading that as well. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I agree with you. It is, I think, you know, I, I, I'm glad that you don't necessarily consider it a loss because I think it's not yet. You, you, you know, it's not too late. Um, yeah, it's not too late. Yeah. So we, we do have the opportunity to, to, to make sure that it's a priority, that we learn um, the languages that are, that are inherent to our own cultures, our own countries and our own ancestors honestly because that's what I think that's what a big part of connection is yeah yeah hey! is there anything in particular that you really want people to know uh, about you about your work about the way that you feel about your own place about the way that you feel about the diaspora if there is any event if there is any uh, current event, any life change, anything that you want people well, to Right now, in April, I'm launching my course. Uh, I'm doing, uh, I'm teaching a course. I touch subjects that I would have loved to have during my uni years. So we talk about time management, creativity, uh, how to fight artist block, how to organize yourself. Basically, all those like uh, little things that, should be thought in a program at uni because in, it's not only about technique, it's nothing about like drawing, but mostly about understanding who you are as an artist. Because if you want to be having a su successful career, you first need to know how you operate. And these are the things that give you a base and the tools for you to be able to overcome the different like aspects and difficulties you you face when you 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 go into this uh, career and artistic path. So I'm excited for that. And it's going to start in April. And next month I will have the basically the opening for signing up and stuff like that. So this is the, the main shout out of, uh, of what I'm, what's going on right now. And it's my biggest project this year. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for you. Honestly, it sounds great. I might take it, to be honest, because I think I would need it. And I think it'll be amazing for so many artists out there to be aware of the fact that these resources are available and that it does not just have to be the way that, you know, the uh, sort of academic world makes it. So thank you for making that space. Thank you for making the course. Um, Thanks. Um, Akim, thank you so much for being here. Um, it's been a joy and an honor to speak to you today. Um, Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, and I wish you the best of luck with everything, with the Biennale, with the course, with the continuation of, of your incredible artistic pursuits, and with your eventual hopeful return to Cote d'Ivoire. I hope that it, it uh, yeah. holds everything that it needs to for you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll keep in touch and uh, can't wait to see also the other podcast. I haven't had the chance to like listen to 
to the other ones, but uh, I really appreciate what you're doing. I feel like uh, um, always trying to find a way to give space to other voices is important. And not only because it allows you to learn more about people, but also it makes you a little bit reframe who you are as a person, you know? So it's very important. Yeah, I agree with you. I am a different person to the one who who started this call today and I'm, I'm super grateful to you for that. <laughs> Same for me. Same for me. Okay. So English, so French is, is my first language. It's not mm-hmm. my mother tongue. Yes. French is your first <laughs> language. It's not your mother tongue. <laughs>